Welcome to Leading Views. Today's guest is Samir Abdelkrim, founder of Startup Bricks, a consultancy that focuses on innovation and entrepreneurship in Africa. He's also the founder of the Emerging Valley Summit, which takes place in his hometown of Marseille. Thank you for joining me, Samir. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So you spent years studying startups across Africa, um, 25 countries, if I understand correctly. And this was for your book, Startup Lions. Can you tell me a little bit about what your research taught you about the tech scene in Africa? Yes, for sure. So uh, it was a three-year underground research, uh, started in 2014 till 2017. And I have been, with multiple hats, as a tech reporter for Le Monde, for Les Echos, as a blogger myself. I have uh, uh, been uh, um, traveling across uh, all these African countries to meet uh, local uh, tech startups, incubators, accelerators, and to understand this uh, digital revolution in Africa and how is it concretely impacting lives and completely transforming the continent sectors by sectors. And after writing more than 400 articles, I decided in in 2017 to write a book named uh, Startup Alliance, which is uh, prefaced by uh, uh, Xavier Neal and Titian uh, and James, which is interesting because Xavier Neal is uh, one of the biggest uh, investors in Europe, and Titian James is one of the biggest uh, African investors uh, with uh, Partech Africa. And it's quite interesting because uh, uh, they decided to write this forward because they, they see now uh, this momentum in Africa right now happening. And what is fascinating is how fast the development of the tech scene is uh, is uh, is in, in right now in Africa. If you went back uh, maybe uh, seven, eight, ten years ago, there were no ecosystem at all on the continent. And uh, right now, uh, if you take a few KPI, uh, for example, the number of tech hub uh, you have you had uh, uh, five years ago less than uh, uh, 100 tech hub, maybe 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 50 tech hub. And now we have uh, more than 600 tech hubs all across the continent. And it's you can have the same uh, metrics, this exponential growth in terms also of funding. Right now, uh, African startups have raised more than 1 billion euro uh, in terms of funding. And uh, it's completely un- unprecedented. And uh, this is a clear sign that uh, uh, right now, Africa is uh, one of the main focus for, for a growing number of, of investors. And uh, the entrepreneurial activity and uh, the dynamism uh, of uh, African ecosystem is uh, uh, is uh, going faster than uh, than ever. That's really interesting. So, how different is this ecosystem compared to, for example, the tech e- ecosystem in Europe or in the U.S.? I think one of the biggest difference is the role of the state and the role of the government. And uh, if you take uh, European ecosystem, but you can uh, have the, the same uh, maybe analysis if you compare with uh, the Silicon Valley, uh, is the role of the state uh, and uh, the, especially the public funding. If you take the Silicon Valley story, it's no secret that uh, at the core development of the Silicon Valley, uh, you have the state and you have the, the military uh, industry. And... Uh, uh, with all the connection with the strong universities, with the VC industry appearing in the Silicon Valley, and all the talent, the immigrants that was attracted to the Silicon Valley, it created this unique ecosystem that cannot be replicated elsewhere in the world, but and gave birth to the, this amazing ecosystem. But 
at the origin you have the state and you have the public uh, public investment it's it's uh, you can say the same in uh, in europe uh, for example in france uh, the, the the government the state with all these uh, public agencies like uh, uh, bpi uh, uh, back in time, it was uh, it was Oseo uh, with the Ministry of Finance, uh, uh, with all this public scheme uh, uh, to help entrepreneurs, uh, la French Tech, etc. Uh, you 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 really feel like you have uh, with the government a partner that wants to that will invest and will create infrastructure and will help uh, startups and entrepreneurs to thrive. In Africa, in most of the countries I've been, it's completely different. At least five years ago, at the beginning, entrepreneurs were really on their own and they have to create everything from scratch. If you go to Nigeria, in Lagos, the ecosystem was basically created starting 2010, 2011 by entrepreneurs themselves. They created their own tech hubs, starting with the CC hub, co-creation hub, with hackathons, they funded themselves and uh, with uh, some international organization, but the state was clearly not involved. And step by step, little by little, the government start to cooperate with the ecosystem uh, when the ecosystem is strong enough to have a voice. And this is what happened in in, uh, in Nigeria. And for example, it's also the same in Kenya, in Nairobi. The I at the beginning there was this hub named the I Hub. It was created also by entrepreneurs, actually by the Ushaidi uh, founders. Uh, and uh, the 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 government started to work with the I Hub and uh, to understand uh, how it could uh, help uh, help startups because it, it can be a solution to create jobs and to reduce uh, uh, unemployment and to uh, provide solutions for the fundamental challenges uh, the country is facing. So it takes uh, time. It's not uh, the, the government that, that uh, makes the, the first move. It's the entrepreneurs that uh, basically are building their own ecosystem. And this is a major difference with Europe. Actually, we, are very, we can say that uh, European startups are quite lucky if they compare all the advantages uh, they can have comparing with the uh, uh, African ecosystem, but it's evolving. For example, you have uh, this uh, quite uh, interesting move in Senegal, where the the government have uh, created a proactive uh, ministry named DER, Delegation à l'Entrepreneuriat Rapide in French, which mission is to daily help entrepreneurs create incubators and fund and invest in uh, tech uh, Senegalese tech startups. And it has a lot of results just after uh, one year since they created this uh, ministry. And uh, step uh, little by little, uh, uh, you can say that uh, African governments and uh, African uh, uh, policymakers are, are taking uh, uh, step by step, not in all countries. You have a lot of disparities, but step by step, uh, consider, uh, take uh, seriously uh, the question of uh, uh, startups and the tech ecosystem in Africa. You mentioned that the tech industry in Africa uh, has raised a significant amount of investments in, in recent years. Do those investments come from within their own countries or do they come from international investors? It comes mainly from uh, uh, international investors. Uh, and uh, also one uh, other bias you have to keep in mind is that uh, out of the 1.2 billion euro invested last year, according to Partech Africa, three countries alone attract uh, the bulk of this investment. It's mainly, uh, of course, it's uh, 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 Nigeria, 
Kenya, uh, South Africa. Each of them absorbs more than 300 million euro of investment. And uh, the paradox is that Francophone Africa region has a wall. Investors have uh, invested only a little uh, 50 million euro. And it comprises uh, more than uh, 10 countries. You have uh, Senegal, you have uh, Tunisia, you have Morocco, you have uh, Congo, etc., etc. So it's quite contrasted. And uh, the maturity, the stage between, uh, between uh, countries is completely different. But also, you have a contrast between uh, francophone and anglophone. And uh, in this landscape, it's clearly the, the, the investors are focusing uh, on, uh, on, uh, on three countries, uh, the three countries I mentioned, and clearly the, the majority of investors, they are international, but you have a green number of, of local investors. Uh, it's still very little, but it's uh, growing, it's evolving. For example, in Senegal, again, you have a, a local fund named Teranga Capital. You have local business angel organizing, and you have uh, an organization doing a, a great job trying to create in each African country local business angel groups. This organization is the African Business Angel Network, which is led by uh, Tommy Davis, himself uh, a business angel, himself an investor, the, the founder of the Lagos Angel Network, and uh, is doing uh, uh, quite a great job. And uh, they have uh, around 20 uh, local chapters now in Africa uh, with African angels for African entrepreneurs. So again, it takes time. But uh, it's uh, it's on the track. And you mentioned this uh, this language of differentiation. Um, so, so I'd like to go <coughs> back to that for a little bit. Is it because the investors are from English speaking countries? Are we talking about venture capitalists from the United States? And and the money going towards um, French speaking Africa is coming more from France via the European Union. Um, what else could the language barrier mean i think the the first reason is uh, is simply because english is the language of internet so first first reason is that is that it's it's in tech the, the language of tech is english the second is that investors are looking for big numbers and nigeria is a good example if you look at nigeria it's uh, today approximately 160 million uh, people and uh, uh, in lagos alone you have more than 20 million people living uh, in the capital city, the economic capital city, the, the political uh, capital is Abuja, and uh, and uh, 20 million is is almost more than the world population of Ivory Coast, which is a francophone country neighboring Nigeria. So mainly the investors are looking for big numbers. They're also looking for good infrastructures. That's why uh, you have also uh, uh, a lot of uh, South African uh, startups attracting. Uh, a lot of investors, and uh, I would say that, uh, and also, I would say that the, the fact that a lot of what we call the repat diaspora from Kenya, from Nigeria, from Ghana, that have made a career in in London, in the Silicon Valley, and they can act as an ambassador, and they can come back with investors in their home country, is also uh, an important uh, factor to to keep in mind. So, in my view, uh, uh, these are uh, one of the key factors. But francophone investors are also very active on the continent. And for example, you have this fund named Investor, uh, Investisseur et Partenaire, which is a, a French fund, but uh, highly active on the continent. And they contribute uh, to create local funds. 
and to train and uh, investors. Uh, so, um, but of course, there are just a few like this. So yeah, clearly there there is a there is a, a dispar- important disparity between uh, the two regions. But uh, but uh, I think that. Uh, in the next three years, it will uh, quickly uh, be more balanced, I hope. So I wanted to go back. You mentioned that when we were talking about the differences between the tech ecosystems, you know, that one of the reasons it was different was that in Europe and the US, these ecosystems and the, the, the industry in general tended to um, initially be supported by the state. Whereas in, in, in various African countries, the ideas and the support and, and, and all of that came from the, from the entrepreneurs themselves, the ground up. Does that impact the types of organizations and the types of companies that are being developed um, in terms of sort of fulfilling local needs versus uh, fulfilling a, a, a state need? Or are we seeing sort of the same type of tech companies evolve everywhere, regardless of how it was sparked? No, I think the problem that these companies are solving are completely different. African startups are using technology to solve basic both basic but also fundamental uh, problems that you cannot encounter in in Europe. For example, access to energy, access to primary uh, healthcare assistance using uh, uh, mobile apps. For example, in Cameroon, you have this uh, amazing startup, Gifted Mom, which is uh, helping thousands every week, thousands of pregnant mothers to have uh, advices, to have uh, to be connected with doctors and uh, and uh, it's uh, it's it's greatly solving the the problem of uh, birth and uh, and maternal mortality and the the primary partners of these startups are the public hospital in Yaoundé uh, etc so or uh, the access to education and how to improve also the supply chain of uh, of agriculture in Ethiopia in Tunisia uh, in Nigeria so they are they are trying to solve the the problem that uh, that the the state cannot solve alone for example in the Sahel region the public uh, administration and uh, and the government are very weak and uh, these companies are really trying to do the job that the government are not strong enough uh, to do with the traditional uh, way and they use technology to go faster and to have a, 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 a more impact because for the simple reason that not everyone has have access to electricity but everyone has access to a mobile phone and everyone has have a mobile phone i just come back from mauritania i was in mauritania last week meeting a lot of startups even startups developing blockchain solution uh, because in mauritania everyone has at least three mobile phones, three telephones, even in the more remote areas of, of Mauritania. <clears throat> and they have a lot of problems in terms of uh, property title, etc. And I've met a startup that is trying to develop a, a blockchain solution to solve this problem. And even the central bank of Mauritania, the central bank is the you don't have a, a more pure symbol of the government of the state rather than the the, the central bank and the central bank is now has now opened uh, a lot of collaboration with uh, uh, local startups to develop a fintech industry uh, in Mauritania because they they understand that uh, there are needs everywhere. The informal sector is way too important. It's very very important. It's predominant in Mauritania. The population which have access to a bank account is very very low. 
and they now want to use, and the governor of the central bank, which I met last week, wants to use the fintech to tackle uh, these uh, fundamental problems. And they have, uh, they are trying to address it with uh, with a competition na- named the fintech challenge, and uh, they try to to work with the open innovation uh, method. They try to work with uh, these startups. And you cannot have this kind of problem in uh, France, for example, because everyone has a bank account and uh, we don't have this problem of uh, the property title of of uh, of land, of having a house. These are problems that uh, we don't uh, ask every day because uh, we have already solved this problem and we have a formal economy and a working administration and and uh, in countries like Mauritania, like uh, in Cameroon, it's not it's not granted at all. And startups are trying to to solve this problem efficiently uh, using technology. So then, what are the lessons that Europe can learn from African tech companies? This is what we try to uh, to do with uh, this event, uh, Imagine Valley, which is uh, now more a platform to connect uh, European ecosystem and African ecosystem, and but also Mediterranean. Uh, ecosystem uh, from uh, from uh, Morocco to uh, Egypt and also Lebanon and beyond is to gather in Marseille and uh, this year uh, is very important because we have the as a strategic partner we have official support of the European Commission and the DG research and innovation we want to gather ecosystem to try to create build a community of faith uh, in terms of uh, digital and how Europe can learn from the African usage and Mediterranean usage of the internet. Especially now, we have this common problem, this common challenge of digital colonization uh, from the Silicon Valley tech giants, Google, uh, Facebook, etc. But also, and it's 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 coming. It's a growing threat. Uh, the the tech giant from from Asia, from from China, and uh, I think that, but. Your, uh, European continent, the Mediterranean, and uh, the the African continent can have uh, a common approach to that, uh, and they, they can and it's very important. They must develop uh, digital solidarities and a digital alliance. So you've mentioned a lot the the European Commission. Um, you know, with with the recent European elections, there are new there's a new president, there are new commissioners, new MEPs. Um, what is your advice to the new EU leadership on how best to build this partnership? If you had to give, I don't know, three three main tips, um, what would they be? I think the most important message is we must change the narrative, the way we want, the way we talk, the way we collaborate with Africa, with the African continent. It's a complex continent. 54 countries, a lot of diversity. You have a Francophone Africa, you have English-speaking Africa, you have a Arabophone Africa, you have a Portuguese Africa, you have a Spanish uh, Africa. And uh, it's not about aid anymore, it's about investment and common investment. Because we have shared destiny in terms of digital, uh, just because if Europe is not strong enough, the Silicon Valley will take over Europe and uh, and uh, and our digital sovereignty, and it's the same for the African continent. So together, we can create an alternative, alternate way of um, internet, an internet that is more uh, focused on human 
uh, more focused on uh, solving uh, fundamental issues and more focused on uh, creating values for the bottom of the pyramid. And this is uh, what we can do. And But it's a partnership. And I'm very happy because uh, one of the... And so this is the second uh, thing I would say is very important to focus on partnership. This word is very important. It's not about aid. Forget aid. It's partnership. And I'm very happy because the new program that has been launched by the European Commission, especially the DG Research, for Africa and to uh, to uh, work with Africa uh, is the uh, Africa-Europe Innovation Partnership, uh, precisely. And it will uh, be launched in a few months and it will gather in Emerging Valley uh, in December. And we will gather uh, 40 European incubators and 40 uh, and, and, and African incubators and Mediterranean incubators to work together and to learn from each other. And it's not about tech transfer, this kind of world uh, from north to south. It's not about that. It's about what we can learn from from each other. And uh, everyone is equal. So the partnership is, is very important. Uh, this notion of partnership, horizontal partnership, and the exchange of expertise from the south to the north, and not just this old uh, vision of... Uh, of collaboration in terms of technology between uh, between uh, Europe and the rest of the and the and the, and the rest of the uh, uh, of the world, and especially certain countries, which is this tech transfer notion, which I th I think should be uh, abandoned. Well, now we're nearing the end of the interview, so I just have one last question that I like to ask all of our guests, and that is, um, who inspires you? Especially uh, after after our discussion and after all we have said, I would say that, uh, of course, Nelson Mandela is one of the people that uh, inspire me. Also, uh, some writers that uh, I read that inspire me every day. Uh, just reading uh, them, like uh, Paolo Coelho, uh, they inspire me a lot. And uh, I think that uh, I, I, I won't say that uh, I won't say that uh, I am inspired uh, by uh, by, because I like people that have uh, that do big things and that uh, have big impact and that, that have big dreams. So uh, I'm not inspired by uh, uh, Elon Musk, but I respect his strength and the way he wants to change the world. And sometimes I think that uh, it would be just amazing if we have like maybe 1,000 Elon Musk trying to having this energy and having this. Uh, power to change things but for more tech for good and uh, more impact and uh, trying to for example the Elon Musk in uh, in uh, for healthcare the Elon Musk for the agri tech the Elon Musk for the for the fintech uh, but people that inspire me uh, the most are entrepreneurs themselves and uh, they are they are not uh, maybe they are not very famous in Brussels but uh, for example Malik Piran in my book which is uh, helping uh, fishermen. He's, he has developed uh, agri-tech startups named Iwajan, and uh, is helping uh, uh, fishermen in Senegal to uh, to uh, have a better life uh, by uh, improving uh, their sales to the customers of fish. Uh, or, for example, uh, in Ghana, uh, one of the, the entrepreneurs I, I admire and I respect is Google Erickson with M Pharma. Trying to to solve uh, healthcare 
uh, issues and uh, I, I, my uh, my blog. Uh, I have I, I was one of the first to interview him uh, back uh, four years ago on my blog Startup Bricks, and uh, and uh, we met him in Silicon Valley at that time. And now he's uh, completely uh, impacting uh, uh, the healthcare supply chain in uh, in Africa and other entrepreneurs uh, anonymous, but. Uh, but uh, I talk to them every day, anonymous now, but uh, I hope and my, my wish is that they become the Elon Musk of tomorrow. Well, thank you so much for joining me. That was very thoughtful and hopeful, and i like to end on that note. Thank you for listening to Friends of Europe's Leading Views podcast. Tell us what you think. Leave a comment, a like, or a rating, and have a lovely day. Mm-hmm.